This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as someone who can predict the future. Wait, I'm getting something. You're going to listen to a podcast. But in my spare time, I'm just a reporter, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about power change and the people you need to know around tech and beyond. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chairs are Peter Diamandes and Stephen Kotler, the best-selling authors of books about the future, such as Abundance and Bold. Their newest book together is called The Future is Faster Than You Think, How Converging Technologies Are Transferring Business, Industries, and Our Lives. Peter is also the founder of the nonprofit XPRIZE, and Stephen is the founder of the Flow Research Collective. Peter and Stephen, welcome to Recode Decode. Kara, pleasure having us. So we're here in Washington. We're usually all in San Francisco uh, talking about this. But let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the book itself in a second. But I, want, I do want to talk about your backgrounds because you both have really interesting histories. Um, uh, why don't you start, Stephen? It's a very quick sort of bio of why you're qualified to tell us about the future, perhaps. Um, I was a tech journalist mm-hmm. for 30 years, covered tech for everybody you could possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is my sixth book on technology. Um, started a bunch of companies, including my current one, which is the Flow Research Collective, where we use kind of biotechnology, some of the brain-computer interface stuff, a lot of the advancements in neuroscience primarily uh, to study human performance. Mm-hmm. And to think about where things are going. And th- yeah, of Humans particularly or just a lot of different areas. Well, no, I, my focus tends to be animals and uh-huh. plants, animals, and ecosystems. Mm-hmm. Peter tends to care much more Explain about that. people. Explain that. I came into a lot of the accelerating technology work uh, trying to uh, really figure out how do we establish mega linkages. This is a mm-hmm. complicated idea, but the simple idea is if we want to preserve biodiversity, which is a passion of mine, mm-hmm. we need to find ways to kind of link up national parks, large, contiguous wildlands is mm-hmm. the secret. So I wow. started asking myself the question, well, where the heck are we going to get the land we need to preserve biodiversity? Mm-hmm. It led me to food technologies like cultured beef, mm-hmm. vertical farming, things that liberate farmland, cattle land. And that's where I sort of started with this, mm-hmm. um, really looking at how technologies well, can really help humanity. we will get into that humanity. topic. I'm fascinated by the background, too. And Peter? Uh, my passions grew in space originally. Right. Um, I had started a half dozen companies, a university called the International Space University, a launch company, a satellite communications company, the XPRIZE, which you mentioned. Um, you had a mining company last time uh, we Astra- talked. Yeah, yeah, and sold that. That's a long this was story. Getting, this was essentially getting on to uh, 
asteroids. Asteroids yeah. and mining them because they're full of minerals. They're full of fuels first and foremost, hydrogen mm-hmm. and oxygen. Uh, and if you can get it outside of the gravity well of Earth, mm-hmm. we ended up changing the laws here in the U.S. and Europe to allow private ownership of those resources. We were not able to capitalize the company. We sold it. Um, well, it's hard to get on a comet, it, but go ahead. <laughs> but uh, the work that I've done, my passion was space early on, and a lot of that was really compelling from Apollo and Star Trek. And then I became uh, realizing that all of our, all the activities in space are going to be dwarfed by what we're seeing in exponential technologies, mm-hmm. uh, computation sensors, networks, AI, robotics, 3D printing, here AR, VR, Earth. blockchain, all these things here on Earth are changing the world faster and faster. Uh, I had gotten to know Ray Kurzweil, uh, who mm-hmm. obviously you know, who had written a book called The Singularity is Near. And uh, we partnered to create Singularity University mm-hmm. in Silicon Valley, which we can talk about later. Same time running the X Prize. Very briefly explain this thing. Most people listening to this understand those concepts. The, the singularity is a concept. It's not really a thing. Right. It's uh, the speed at which technology is changing is accelerating. And we talk about that. We have a book, mm-hmm. a chapter in our book, The Future is Fast, and you think called Acceleration of the Acceleration. And there's a point in which the rate of change is so fast that you can't predict what's next. Today, we have a pretty good, we can predict what's happening over the next 10 years, that horizon, maybe five years, but there's going to be a point where the speed is so fast because of converging technologies that we're, we're blinded by that change. And that is, according to Ray, uh, that's something that we're going to see in the, in the 2040 time horizon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's an idea. It's a shocking idea. The university has nothing to do with the singularity. It's not even mm-hmm. really a university. It's it's a program for executives and graduates. A lot of people sort of are um, they're they're living in a world. They're seeing this extraordinary change. They're hearing about artificial intelligence, robotics, three D printing, augmented virtual reality, and it's like, how is this going to impact me? Mm-hmm. And there are very few places you can go to really get an overview of that and a deeper understanding. So we built that institution. We run uh, executive programs around the world in, in Silicon Valley at our campus. Um, and then we run programs for executive teams. Right. There was some controversy about the what was going, how it was being run at the time. Uh, I think the only controversy was we did a lot of acquisitions and mm-hmm. we grew the, the staff size by a factor of two and we did a reset. And uh, uh, we've recapitalized it. We have an amazing benef- uh, investor chairman, Eric Anderson from West River Group, who's capitalized it. Mm-hmm. And it's regrowing now at a, at a, in a profitable fashion. One of the mm-hmm. challenges we have in a lot of Silicon Valley companies is growing them based on revenues versus profits. And it's time to go and focus on creating profitable organizations right. that They're, grow appropriately. That's the new thing. That is the new thing. And so that yeah. has been, we've done a reset. We're now a profitable organization and we're growing. And still we're operational in, in 20 countries. And then countries. the XPRIZE continues, continues to. Oh my God, XPRIZE is, is And explain again for people that don't So I, w- I grew up in Apollo and Star Trek right. and I wanted to be an astronaut. Excited I, for Picard. <laughs> I am excited for, for Jean-Luc. Uh, and... My chance of becoming an astronaut were like one in a thousand. I have a better chance mm-hmm. of becoming an NBA all-star than I do an astronaut. Mm-hmm. And I'm only 5'5", five, five, right? So I said, how am I going to open up space? And I'd read that Lindbergh in 1927 crossed the Atlantic to win a $25,000 prize. And that kicked off aviation. That's it. I'm going to create a space prize. I called it the X prize. I didn't know who was going to put up the money, who was going to mm-hmm. be the X, the Ortega, the Pulitzer, the Nobel. 
A woman named Anusha Ansari funded it. She had just done a billion-dollar-plus exit. She's now the CEO of the XPRIZE Foundation, and I'm, mm-hmm. the, and I'm the executive chairman. And we've launched about uh, $200 million of prizes, another $200 million different things, in different development accomplishments. across the board. Yeah. Across the board, mapping the ocean. To be able to design this, design that. Mop- so it's not the design. You actually right. have to do it. Right. You right. have to, different from prizes that are ideas or something you did in the past. No, but this it's is, projects. This is the pro- first person to pull it off, build right. a spaceship, map the, this amount of the ocean floor in 24 hours, pull water out of the atmosphere, educate kids autonomously at scale. And we're having fun, and it's truly impactful. Yeah, these kind of prizes, are, I think, I do think they're important. So now you've this book, you, you talk, Stephen, both of you have been talking about um, exponential technologies. Uh, or talk a little bit about the idea of converging technologies and what you're, talk, what you're talking about. You, you looked at an, across a number of industries. Talk about your first two books. Uh, that you, this is a, tr- a yeah, troika. Yeah, it's a trilogy. trilogy so we call it the Exponential Mindset Trilogy. Okay. Abundance was the first book, and Abundance looked at— Individual lines of exponential technology, mm-hmm. right? And to listeners who don't know what an exponential mm-hmm. technology is, it's any technology that can be programmed in the ones and zeros of computer code and mm-hmm. then sort of jumps on the back of Moore's law and starts doubling at a regular rate. Sure. And in abundance, we talked about individual lines of exponential technology, artificial intelligence, robotics, vertical farming, take, you know, take your pick, a bunch of different technologies. And our focus was can we use how, how individuals, small teams could use these technologies to mm-hmm. tackle grand global challenges. Right. Energy, poverty, right. water scarcity, so forth. And uh, the book was compelling to a lot of people, and they read it and they went, oh, this is amazing. I want to do this. How do I do this? So Bold was our follow-up, and Bold was much more of a how-to. Hey, here's how you build businesses around these technologies. And, you know, we've said for a really long time that if you, you know, want to make a billion dollars, help a billion people kind mm-hmm. of thing. And so Bold was the blueprint for that. This new book, what's changed is these formerly independent lines of exponential technologies are now starting to converge and overlap. So AI is bumping into robotics, is bumping into material science, is bumping into mm-hmm. 3D printing, et cetera. And what you get is a whole is much greater than the sum so of Exponentially parts. converging or convergingly exponential? <laughs> Which one? Well, it, it's, it's the idea that in the past, if you were an entrepreneur and you were focusing on 3D printing— You had a lane. You had a lane and you were fine and that mm-hmm. was good enough. Today, it's not good enough. It's, and it's not the technology. It's the business models that are the most mm-hmm. exciting part. So what's happening is two, three, four of these technologies are coming together and creating new business models. So YouTube— you know, you know the story intimately. Um, you know, when Chad Hurley was creating YouTube, it was the convergence of super cheap memory on the cloud. It was digital cameras. It was uh, more powerful computers for being edit um, videos. Uh, it was the uh, Uber creator mentality. And these things converged to create YouTube as a business model. Mm-hmm. We can point at convergences that created Airbnb or created Uber. And so that's where the where the fun is. I'll, I'll give you an example um, that I love. There's a company that my venture fund invested in called Relativity. Have you heard of it? It's mm-hmm. it's the world's largest 3D printers. So oh, yeah. It's, yeah. they're converging uh, robotics, 3D printers, material sciences, machine learning, and they're 3D printing rockets. I mean, mm-hmm. hundred yes, that's foot right, tall down rockets. in Los Angeles, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I said, what's gonna what's gonna possibly displace SpaceX as the hegemony in 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 that's rocketry? That's right. They're the, they're the second. They're the ones making more rockets in Los Angeles. Yeah, and and so they've got an approach that is you could 3D print a rocket in 60 days, and then you could say, hey, let's change the design a little bit. And no tooling to change. You just 
change the design and it's mm-hmm. something different is 3D printed. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that is convergence. Right, the idea of that. And so this so this book, the idea is the future is faster than you think. You know, there's a ton of future books. There's like a yeah, lot of the, the 100%. Future. So talk a little bit about what you were trying to set out to do in, in this. This is, these are, you first you talked about the changing technologies abundance, then bold, how to do it. What's the... The so the, the, fir- the first chunk of the book is, hey, these are all the exponential technologies. All right, go through them. Go through um, them. Robotics, artificial intelligence, nanotechnology, biotechnology, 3D printing. AR, VR. AR, VR. Quantum computing. Regular computing, computation, mm-hmm. networks, sensors. I'm missing a couple. Yeah, that's uh, a pretty good. It's a pretty blo- good. Blockchain. Letter. Blockchain, mm-hmm. thank you. And, and so Body the, hacking, transhumanism, maybe. And uh, brain-computer brain interfaces. Brain-computer, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so— uh, in the beginning, we look at break those down. There's also uh, a series of secondary forces sort of being unleashed by mm-hmm. these converging exponentials. Uh, for example, communications abundance, right? We're moving into an era of ubiquitous networks, mm-hmm. 5G, satellite constellations, Loon, et cetera, bringing us to a world of communication abundance. That mm-hmm. means 4 billion new minds are about to join the global conversation. Mm-hmm. Anything that speeds up the rate of innovation speeds up the rate of technology. So that's 4 billion new minds. Driving that forward. So there's a bunch. There's six more secondary forces. um, Six more secondary forces that are driving this forward. And then part two of the book, we look at the 11 biggest industries in the world. And where are they going over the next 10 years and Mm -hmm. what people can expect. And I don't know if this is different than the other books. Um, I think it is. Most of the other books are a little fearful of the future. Mm-hmm. Our goal is the exact opposite. Our goal is— Yes, you're very is, positivity in comparison. <laughs> we We're going to get to that. We are very positive, um, and uh, both in our outlook, and we, we really want to empower people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the future's coming. It's incredibly fast for legacy organizations, established businesses. They're going to have a really hard time keeping up. They don't know what's coming. So this book is a guidebook for that. All right, let's talk about that a little bit, the, the concept. I mean, Clay Christensen just died, who sort of set off in 90, and I remember that being a groundbreaking book. He and was that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he wrote The Innovator's Dilemma, and he went on to write a lot of books. And his last one, oddly, interestingly enough, not oddly enough, was How to Measure Your Life. I think that was his last mm-hmm. book, um, which he took all his concepts and put them to the idea of living. And, of course, he had had a stroke and had cancer and, and died of cancer. He's very young, 67, when he died last week. Um, I wrote my column in The Times about him this week because he was a real precursor, and he had a, a positive viewpoint towards disruptive technologies. And I talked about the concept of his concepts were the smart ones in terms of thinking about um, uh, how you move into the, the, he was predicting what would later come, whether it was Google or Uber or Netflix or whatever. But one of the things was it was sort of a gentler and positive idea of the future when in fact disruptive innovation became destructive innovation, like without consequence. So talk a little bit about, you know, the concept of we are at a new nexus of a change. You do feel it with all these different technologies you were talking about. These are very serious and world-changing technologies compared to apps, anything else that's come before it, even though mobile is obviously critically yeah, important. We're, uh, one of, again, uh, my, what drives me, I think what drives us in this book is to create a hopeful, compelling, and abundant vision of the future. Mm-hmm. If people don't have a hopeful vision of the future, if they're not compelled by what's coming— we end up in a period of fear and scarcity, and it's a very bad place to lead from or to be, you know, living from. And the future is one in which we're more empowered than ever before to solve problems. And I think that's a really important vision that instead of complaining about problems, everyone listening here has the power. What I mean by that is more capital than ever before. 
right? We talk about capital abundance. There's more access to knowledge, even wisdom to some degree on Google and Baidu. There is there is um, access to more computational power than ever before. You can spin up a thousand processor cores on AWS. You can access any expertise in the world. We're connected globally soon at 8 billion minds at gigabit connection speeds, not like coming on, on AOL at 9600 baud. And this is empowerment. And the goal here is to say, listen, stop complaining about problems. Here's the tools you have. Go and solve the problems. Feel empowered by this. And also, here's where these industries are going. The winner in all of these, at the end of the day, are the consumer. What do I mean? I've spent a lot of my life in healthcare. I'm a medical doctor by training, not by practice. I've started, you know, four or five companies in the longevity space. I invest heavily through my venture fund in that area. Today, it isn't healthcare, it's sick care. Mm-hmm. Right? It isn't health insurance, it's sick insurance. Yeah. The system takes care of you after you're sick. Yeah. You get paid after you're sick. It's not life insurance, it's death insurance. You get your after you die. Imagine flipping all that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you know this, you've written right, we're about it. We're going to get into that in a second. But go yeah. ahead. Sorry. Yes. So, so, the, the so point- it's, a posit- it's a more positive version. We're going to get into that when yeah. we get back because I do want to talk about this because I do think the proclivity of Silicon Valley is to immediately, the minute you say just a second, to say you're a negative person. And I, I suspect I represent that to a lot of people <laughs> in Silicon Valley. But when we get back, we're going to talk about that um, because I do think uh, optimism. My first column for the Times this year was about the optimistic ideas that should go forward. But I don't want to ignore what's happened um, at the same time. So we're here with Stephen Kotler and Peter Diamantes. Their new book is called The Future is Faster Than You Think, How Converging Technologies Are Transferring Business, Industries, and Our Lives. We're going to take a quick break now. We'll be back after this. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. We're here with Stephen Kotler and Peter Diamantes. Their new book is called The Future is Faster Than You Think, How Converging Technologies Are Transferring Business Industries in Our Lives. Peter was just going talking, Stephen, you can jump in here, about the positivity. Like this, I, I, I don't mean to say I've heard this line before, but I, when I got to Silicon Valley, it was everything's going to be roses, these social networks are going to be great, this is going to be great, and we now live in a very twitchy, irresponsible news 
environment brought on, not the total fault of social media, but it's right up there with the causes. There's all kinds of issues around addiction, around this. And to be told by Silicon Valley, don't focus on the problems, is exhausting. Like, I, maybe it's because I'm a parent. Maybe it's because I think about the implications for our entire society. But I agree that a lot of this stuff, green tech, um, what are we going to do about facial recognition? How are we going to deploy AI fairly and properly? How can we use it to solve problems? It's just we've been given—this was—when I first covered the Internet in the early 90s, it was like, this is going to solve Star Trek yeah. once again. You know, I have a more Star Wars view of it. Like, the <laughs> Empire strikes the fuck back all the time. I remember I was in San Francisco in the early 90s, mm-hmm. and I remember people running around. You know, this was when the Internet was going to save the world, and you were save like— Save the world. What the hell are you talking about? It's home shopping, it's pornography yeah. distribution, yeah. and maybe yeah. it's a better dictionary yeah. that's—right? Like, yeah. it was crazy it at was the time. It was a better dictionary. It was a better dictionary. You're right. I want to sort of roll back right. to the positivity for a second, because right. Peter hit on something that I want to expand on a little bit because I'm a neuro geek and Mm -hmm. this is where I work. But if you look, what anxiety does to the brain from an innovative, creative standpoint is really worth knowing. The more Mm -hmm. anxious we get, it closes down our ability to find far-flung connections between ideas. You Mm -hmm. look at sort of anxiety Mm -hmm. under an fMRI, it looks a little bit like OCD. It's a tight cluster of neurons. The ideas are sort of spinning in a circle. You can't get those far-flung, outside-the-box connections. In fact, the more anxious we get, the more logical Mm -hmm. and linear we get. This is just basic kind of biological hardwiring. So... Yes, we are up against some serious challenges, mm-hmm. and obviously every good technology— I want technology. you to reflect on them. I want you to reflect on the last 20 years. Can, can, I, can I jump sure, in here? Sure. One of the things I just did—I run an event every January called Abundance 360 for, mm-hmm. uh, for CEOs. And um, I, I did two things that I think are relevant to this conversation. One is I looked back 100 years— Right. And said, what were the innovations of the year 1920 compared to today? Okay, what were There were four innovations. Okay. Number one, relevant to what we're doing right here, the first commercial radio station came along mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh. Big deal. Second thing, the Band-Aid came out. Mm-hmm. The third thing, the portable hair dryer was invented. All right. And the fourth thing was the three lights traffic light. I scrubbed everything. Those were the innovations of the year 1920. Mm-hmm. At that level of significance, we have those every microsecond in the year 2020. Sure. Right? So the speed is increasing. The second thing I did was I looked at metrics for abundance over the last decade. The numbers are stellar. They're staggering. Number one, we've reduced childhood mortality rate. We yes. both have kids by 22% over the last decade. We reduced global extreme poverty by half, by 50% between 2010 and 2019. We increased global solar 10x, wind power 3x. We increased the global GDP by $22 trillion. We reduced deaths due to famine by tenfold over the last, I think it's 30 years. All of these things, and there's many, many more. Gained three years of lifespan. Mm-hmm. All of these things are not a result of we've gotten intelligent, we have better political systems. They are the impact of technology. Or various technologies. Yeah, various technologies, converging technologies, various technologies, all these things. In fact, we added nearly uh, 700 million people have electricity now compared to 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. All these things are continuing. And I define technology as the force that takes what used to be scarce and makes it abundant. Mm-hmm. Right? We We forget that a child with a cell phone in Botswana or Tanzania, whatever, has millions of dollars of free tech on it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we can say there's lots of problems, but we so romanticize the past. We forget 
how fucking brutal it was. Oh, I don't romanticize it. I think past was brutal. I'm just I'm saying, but let's talk, talk about what the problems you think have come from it and what the solutions one, are. One, I like. I'm. I tend to think about things really basically. I mm-hmm. like to. What's human psychology? What's human mm-hmm. neuro? How, how do we work? How does it affect? So one thing we saw is nobody had any clue how much dopamine mm-hmm. our, our devices were going to produce. Right. And um, it's a funny thing. You know, in, in flow science, flow mm-hmm. is an extremely addictive, probably the most addictive state on earth. You get mm-hmm. five of them. Dopamine's one of five mm-hmm. reward chemicals. You get all five in flow. It's the most addictive state on earth. Um, and when I train people, and we, we train everybody from kind of the U.S. Navy SEALs all mm-hmm. the way through to executives and mm-hmm. take your pick, one of the first things I talk about is dirty word is addiction management. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about that very much. We don't right. like to discuss it, but in dealing with our technologies, for sure— and the thing I always think about is, as a reporter, I covered a lot of the drug war stuff on all sides. Mm-hmm. And in the legal community, there was this big fear. As soon as we legalize any substance, right, right. we're going to lose a generation. That was a very, very big fear. Now, yeah. that's we've done this with marijuana. We haven't lost anybody. No. But we were – I think we – did lose a generation with technology. Like, mm-hmm. we were not prepared. We didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. We had no idea it was going to be this sticky. And the cost is a, is a generation of people who are, you know, they've got enforced ADD because of the amount of dopamine in their system. So mm-hmm. definite downsides. Um, I'm hoping, kind of with our growing understanding of neurobiology, psychology, et cetera, et cetera, that we can avoid some of those things going forward and have a kind of a more honest opinion of how sticky some of our technologies right. can so be. So in your case, Dixon, what do you think the most— Well, I mean, the challenge is privacy to a large degree. Mm-hmm. And I am—there's um, both good and bad, and it's hard for people to think about the good. But here's the deal. We're heading towards a world— where you're soon going to be able to know anything you want, anytime you want, anywhere you want, right? right? We all have the experience of being able to say, hey, what's the GDP of Ghana? And within 30 seconds on Google, talking to your phone, you can get that. But I can't ask, like, what are the, how many red cars drove down the street right now in the last hour? Mm-hmm. But the data is there, right? We're heading towards a world of uh, augmented reality, forward-looking cameras on your goggles, uh, drones, uh, autonomous cars with cameras and radar and mm-hmm. LIDAR. Uh, satellites, where everything is being imaged all the time. And so you're going to be able to start to know anything. You can ask your personal AI how many red cars were coming down the street and actually know that answer. People behave differently when they're being watched. Right. Would you agree with that? So one of the foundations I support, the Lindbergh Foundation, flies drones over elephants and rhinoceros, um, what do you call them, herds. Yeah. And, And when that is occurring, the poachers stay away. Mm-hmm. When there is a camera dashboard on a police car, the policeman may behave differently or despot when CNN is there says and so this level of uh, visibility, this loss of privacy has the potential to potentially cause us to behave more human, mm-hmm. more humanistically. But it's a loss of privacy. But we have a the idea of privacy, I would imagine, is a relatively recent, Invention. I don't think there was a thought of privacy a thousand years ago in small no, villages. No, nobody had the ability to have this much surveillance, really. And I think in China, there's no concept of privacy. And, and I see a lot of young uh, millennials and whatever the newest generation is called. I'm not, what is it called, by the way? You know, Gen. Well, it's Generation Alpha is the latest, but okay. there's uh, there's uh, there's millennials, there's Gen Z. Okay, but they're giving up privacy purposefully because of the benefits it gives right, to some degree. 
Right. They are broadcasting everything. They're they're yes. Uh, I call them cheap dates later <laughs> because <laughs> they're getting a map for for Mark Zuckerberg making a billion dollars. But okay. But fine. anyway, the, the point good. is that there's going to be a trade. Yes. Uh, I'm. There is going to be a version of Jarvis. Mm-hmm. Uh, within the next decade. This is a and robot that responds this to is an AI. This is, this is an AI that yeah, responds to This is an AI software from, shell. That you're we, referring that to a wearing. movie, Iron Man. Yeah, Iron Man, right. And 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 in this version, I'm going to give my personal AI, think of a nth generation Alexa or Siri, permission to listen to all my conversations, read my emails, look at my blood chemistries, see what I'm, what I'm eating. And as a trade for that, it's advising me on everything. It's telling me about your kid's upcoming birthday. It's telling me, you know, don't eat that. It's telling me you need, you know, to go. Certainly. And so there's a trade constantly. Right. If it's a better trade. I think the trade right now is shitty for consumers. I think they don't get well, enough. And there's it's worse than that. And there's we not enough laws in place to protect them in case it goes wrong. It's like a knife. It's like a knife cuts meat. It also kills you. We don't know that we're doing the trade is the issue. Right. right. We don't realize when we're saying yes to that right. um yeah. I'm going to get into your future. We can argue about this. I think I think asking for a little bit of like uh, thoughts of consequences is not that much, and it, it drives Silicon Valley people to act like you asked. We for did their, a whole chapter on it, right? Like there's sneakers. Whole, yeah, there's a whole chapter in the book on, on yeah. the downsides and hey, this is not the downsides. It's that you're asking for just a little bit of reflection, and that is a, a bummer. You know what I mean? Like, what about this? What about this? So let's talk about the technologies and how they impacted them. Go through a few of the of the it's the most important uh, industries you think would be most affected and talk about the the struggle. It's very much a lot, a lot of your concepts are a lot like Craig Christensen is. There's going to be this series of smaller companies, nimble companies that are going to be in smaller markets that are going to emerge and disrupt. And the big companies that are in those spaces are going to, it's impossible to be undisrupted essentially, which I, I think, think that's true. I, you know, I think when we, we look at the future, Healthcare and education, we see are two right. industries, and transportation. Okay, um, so I'll, I'll start with transportation and, then, and kick it over to Peter to can talk about healthcare. But uh, transportation, we all know autonomous cars are coming, maybe mm-hmm. a little slower than mm-hmm. we originally expected, mm-hmm. but this decade for sure, yeah. right? I mean, Waymo, Google, Alphabet's uh, autonomous car division has said they want mm-hmm. to be doing a million trips a day for right. autonomous taxis in 2020. Right. Uh, flying cars which we have been waiting for forever, direct mm-hmm. product We're of gonna convergence. We're going to have one at Code this year. Pardon me? We're going to have one at Code. Oh, are you? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I got to ride in one, an e-hang a couple years Bring ago. in friggin' hovercraft, for my sake. We've been waiting. Yeah. But so, <laughs> <laughs> flying cars are coming, right? Uber wants demonstration programs for mm-hmm. Uber Air 2023. Mm-hmm. Hyperloop, Peter's involved in that. Mm-hmm. So rapid trains, um, and it sort of goes from there. The point is... Um, the changes are, you know, first of all, they're bizarre. Uh, you were talking about industries impacted mm-hmm. with autonomous cars. Uh, Peter's pointed this out a lot. You know, right now, we've got about 100 different car companies. We're looking at probably massive consolidation, right? right? When Uber comes to pick you I'm up. I'm surprised there are 100 brands of there are cars. There are I, ca- I counted it. That was more, I was like, wow, I didn't think about that. Yeah, if you, you just, uh, I think it's called um, a systemic uh, recalibration of the system. It happened with trains and, and mm-hmm. horse and buggies right. and, and everything. And it happened with cars. or more yeah. than hundreds before. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there were thousands. But go ahead. So, so a culling um, of this. Right. I think we'll see a, a, a big culling of this. But what we're looking at is a, ma- a massive transportation revolution with really kind of weird, interesting sociological impacts. Um, three that I think about a lot. If you've got Uber Air, which can do 150 miles uh, in an hour, mm-hmm. 750 mile an hour trains. Right. 
size of the local dating pool, size of the local school district, right? Mm -hmm. We were talking before we on, your kids are here in D.C. because they like it. Well, if you can go 750 miles in an hour, the school district got a lot bigger. Mm -hmm. The downside, we've been talking about downsides. So one of the downsides of this that, that I think about, we talked earlier about mega linkages, contiguous wildlands is the best way to preserve biodiversity. And if suddenly I can build my house three hours away, right, the suburbs suddenly just became the sprawl, that's an issue. That's an issue I think that needs mm -hmm. regulation on the front end before we even start on this mess. But what it means, you know, for a convenience level is astounding. One of the uh, secondary forces we talk a lot about is save time, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, innovation demands time. Anything that saves us time can speed up innovation. The, the stat I like is uh, in 1900, the average person, the average American, did 58 hours of housework a week. Mm -hmm. By 2011, it was 1.5 hours. Less now, I don't know the exact figure, massive savings of time. We're going to get the Washing same. machines and dishes. Yeah, exactly. From robots. Robots, yeah. <laughs> Well, so robots now, but no, along no, I mean, the way. No, no, washing machines and dishwashers are oh, robots. Yeah. We just don't oh, call yeah, them we robots. Don't call it, right. You know, you're right about that. It was, I mean, they called them labor-saving devices. That was mm -hmm. electricity, running right. water, right? Well, sure. That sort of stuff. But transportation, we're massive time-saving. Interesting, autonomous cars. You, you didn't sleep much last night? Great, we can give you a car with a bed in it. Right. You want a working office, we can give you a car there. I think one of the unintended consequences, by the way, is of autonomous cars is going to reboot the sex industry. Oh, dear. I think you've got mobile brothels okay. coming <laughs> online. That um, is the best thing I have heard from any of my podcasts all year, mobile <laughs> brothels. Tell, I mean, Thank you, what Steve. else do you think is going to happen? <laughs> I was thinking that you're going to text and drink at the same time. You probably are going to drive, text, drive, text, you, you, and drive yeah. text and drink. That'll right. happen too. But you know, <laughs> finally, you start out by finally driving. <laughs> not and not kill anybody in an incredibly irresponsible act of evil. Um, so, what about education, Peter? So, education is so extraordinarily broken right now. It's not funny. Can we just and get sad. a chip and that be done with it? Well, yeah, we, that's, the process that's, that's, that's is important, part of it. but. You know, the question Process is what we, what we learn now. So I love this, right? So we have our educational system today built for the Industrial Revolution yes, of 100 years ago. And, you know, the bell rings and you move to your next production line. Mm -hmm. um, and I have to ask you and everyone listening, when's the last time you factored a polynomial equation? I mean— I didn't do it back then. I didn't do it back then. Or, or figured out, you know, the sine or cosine of a particular angle. And— and, and so we, we spend our times feeding ourselves all of these things mm -hmm. and memorizing it and determining whether you go to a good college or a bad college based upon whether you use these things you're never going to use again instead of focusing on things like empathy, mm -hmm. on communication skills, team building. on team building, on, on being able to give a compelling presentation, on being able to, to strategically think about the future. Mm -hmm. these, and these are the, the skills we need for the world today. You should be surprised what kind of parent I am. Sometimes when my parents, kids are doing homework, I'm like, don't do that. That's good. It doesn't matter. And I often do it to their friends. I actually got called by the school. Stop telling I, people it doesn't matter. I like that. I was like, but it doesn't, right? It doesn't. You don't need it. I don't I never ask the student, a, a employee to do this. And it's not useful in any way. It's the thinking. It's the ability to think, it's, think through it's things. It's exactly what it is. Right. And it's just a way. But it's a poor way to think through things. I'm like, that is not going to make you think better than, say, if you go down to the, to the Zoom kitchen and start figuring out how many people you need to yeah. serve. What, what is the what is the so for me and I for my eight year old boys I think about the following 
what I want for them is to find their passion in life. Mm-hmm. Like the most important, I, everything I've ever learned is from my own self-passion. The second thing is learn how to ask great questions. In a world where you can know anything, the quality of the questions you ask are far more So where important. does technology fit in this? So the, where technology fits in is the convergence for me of AI, VR, networks, sensors. And we can go into a world where if I want to learn about ancient Greece and the works of Plato, I'm going to put on a VR helmet and I'm going to walk into a place. I'm going to see a virtual version of Plato. And the AI driving that VR version of Plato is uh, built by all of the knowledge we have of, of, of Plato. Every historian ever written about him has programmed that virtual. And I can have a conversation. I can walk around and say, hey, Plato, what do you think about this? And it's experiential. Right. And that level of learning, instead of a sage on the stage talking to 50 kids, half are bored, half are lost, you know, this is something end of one experience. And education becomes something where the AI knows my favorite color, sports star, movie stars, and I'm self-driven, and I learn what I need to learn to make my dreams come true if I know talking what. talking about a matrix version of it, except for no chip. And no chip. Which, and of course, Elon and this is, is also this is, And we could talk about Neuralink and the work mm-hmm. that's going on. Yeah, we will in a second. But there's incredible work going on towards this area. And it's, but it's reinventing education. There will be a point, I believe, in which you and I say, I'm no longer sending my kids to this school. It's a waste of their time. I do it every day. I'm going to be – and this, you know, do we go to – a new education, just like we don't go to, I don't go to libraries anymore. I'm sorry. Some people do, maybe for quiet. It's Google. It's when something is 10 times better, 10 times cheaper, 10 times faster, you give up the old system. So the old system, both in education and healthcare, are going to be crushed under their weight. As librarians begin to attack you, Peter, which I think it's coming. No, I'm kidding. I agree with you. I I think I I agree with that. We're going to talk about that and more and some other technologies uh, that are going to affect things like retail Um, the finance system, and other things. We're here with Stephen Kotler and Peter Diamandis. Their new book is called The Future is Faster Than You Think, How Converging Technologies Are Transforming Business, Industries, and Our Lives. We're going to take a quick break now. We'll be back after this. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. We're back with Stephen Kotler and Peter Diamandis. Their new book is called The Future is Faster Than You Think, How Converging Technologies Are Transforming Business, Industries, and Our Lives. So we're just talking about two areas, education and transportation. Pick another area, Stephen. You had 12, I think, correct? Healthcare is, you yeah. know, healthcare is, is super interesting. Um, so we're not going to die? We might still die. Yeah. Peter has a different opinion than, that. than mine on this yeah. one. Um, but with healthcare— You're going to pick when you die and how healthy you are when you die. That's <laughs> correct. Correct? I, so, listen, I'm I'm focused on 
getting to 100 healthy, right? Okay. And when I'm at 100, hopefully I'll focus on 120 or 150 and so but forth. Healthy. Health but healthy. But healthy. It's health span. It's health not, span it's not, is the term, yeah. not lifespan. Right? Yeah, being decrepit in a wheelchair in bed in 120 is zero value. Not zero much interest. fun. All right, so healthcare. So what it looks like, and, and you know, this isn't really news to you, but mm-hmm. we seem to be uh, reinventing kind of every step on the mega treatment right. train, healthcare right? Healthcare has been persistently not reinvented. Persistently not reinvented and, and, and downright awful. Mm-hmm. The, um, we spend about over $2 billion a year on procedures we don't need for fear of liability. Mm-hmm. Like, it's in, insane stuff. So on the front end, we're seeing uh, the front end of this with AI starting to become better diagnosticians mm-hmm. than regular doctors, sure. better cancer detection, better reading radiological screens, CT screens, et cetera, et cetera. So on the front end, we're seeing medical diagnostics getting reinvented, which is fantastic. In the middle treatments, we're seeing, you know, robots. Ten years ago when we wrote Abundance, the Da Vinci robot was mm-hmm. a new thing, mm-hmm. right? And it sort of leveled up into really easy-to-do surgeries, which is a crazy sure. even statement. But, yes, hernia surgery, heart surgery, these are slightly easier. Now we're moving into really complicated soft tissue repair, things that are really, really difficult. We're seeing the med- middle reinvent. And this isn't treatment for, you know, the super rich. Verb Surgical, which is which is Google and, and Johnson & Johnson, their whole goal was to democratize surgical robots. And their, you know, their robots are coming out this year. And on the back end of the treatment train, we're completely reimagining drug discovery and how, you know, we find new drugs. And, and again, right, for every 5,000 drugs created, five of them make it to kind of human trials. One of them may come to market. It costs mm-hmm. $10 million on average to do this. Um, it's a total waste. And you've got companies like in Silico Medicine in, in Baltimore using generous GANs, right? Two AIs battling against each other to find a proper treatment. They've reduced drug discovery from years into months. Right. Quantum computing, which, you know, we Google just hit quantum supremacy. Low so end. they say. So they say. I'm having Sundar code this year. We'll be discussing that. All right. And what um, does that really mean? How, how and then he and I are going to wrestle. So anyway, sorry, go ahead. Oh, that'll for be supremacy. That, for stage that. supremacy. <laughs> I'll buy tickets. Yeah, I'll um. beat him. Because you know, <laughs> I bite. I'm sure you will. <laughs> <laughs> that I have no doubt. Yeah, he's tall. Uh, he's a tall man, but I bite. But you're feisty. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. I go um. for the knees immediately. <laughs> soft tissues. Elbows, I go for elbows. the soft tissues. Go ahead. I, eyes and knees. Yeah. Eyes you can't technologize yourself out of soft tissues. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> uh, what were we talking about? Beating, oh, beating up executives? Oh, healthcare, yes, yes. Um, so low-hanging fruit for quantum computers is mm-hmm. also drug sure. discovery um, for all the same reasons. So, and data. Um, and, and Data seems right. to be the biggest thing. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, well, the hip the, <coughs> If like I could yeah, jump, yeah, in. jump in. I mean, in, one in. of the things I just wrote an article about is I think uh, uh, the healthcare industry today and the pharmaceutical industry is in a lot of trouble. They're dependent upon regulations to protect them, uh, which is sort of the last resort. Uh, the companies that are going to give us our health care in the future are the ones that have the data, are in our homes, that are on our bodies. They are Google, Amazon, um, Apple. Apple, right? Tim Cook famously said, I was last year, I said 20 years from now we look back, Apple's greatest contribution will be the health industry contribution. Yeah, he said that to me. <laughs> okay, well, fantastic. So yeah. thank you. So he did say that. I can yeah, get that directly he did, from you. Indeed. And so that's, that, is, that is amazing. And uh, at the end of the day, I believe that. So it is about data. It's going to be about early warning uh, more than anything else. Today, it's sick care. It's not health care. It is when you're on death's door, you spend you know, 20% of your life savings to try and 
extend the pain an extra year. Yeah. Uh, one of the uh, one of my companies, a company called uh, Human Longevity Inc. HLI down in San Diego, and we have a program called the Health Nucleus. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Uh, you come in for three hours. I'm going next week. I go every year, mm-hmm. and uh, you sequence your genome the first time. But then you have a full body MRI. Your blood chemistry yeah. is a coronary and a heart CT. All the Google uh, executives do this. Yeah, we, they do. And we, when we generate 150 gigabytes of data about you, mm-hmm. two reasons. Number one, what are you likely to die from and can you catch it early and prevent it? But number two, more importantly, is there anything going on inside your body you need to know about now? We just published, so it used to be $25,000 a visit. It's now down to a $7,500 a visit. It will come down in price. What's insane is that all of our first 1,500 patients we just published in the journal PNAS about, they're all wealthy. <clears throat> they're all able to get the best health care in the world they want. But the results are the following. Uh, of, those, of those first patients, 2% had a high-grade tumor cancer they did not know about. Yeah. Insane, right? Uh, another two. No, two, even the best, richest people don't get good health care. They in don't. This and the two and a half percent had a brain or aortic aneurysm they didn't know about. Three and a half percent have significant cardiac conditions and so forth. And so, you know, I'm a pilot. I fly a few airplanes. <clears throat> I've got a Model S, and Model X. Mm-hmm. I don't leave the airport or leave the runway or or leave the garage unless I know that the vehicles are operating. We know so little about our bodies. When, we wait. We wait for the others until it's too late. Two to drop. We do. And 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 so, uh, half of longevity's <clears throat> uh, revolution is from actually catching disease at stage zero when it is completely curable and preventable. A hundred percent. The second part is that we're starting to understand why we age. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, senescent cells. Sen- sen- senolytic I medicines. I know more than you so think forth. about I, dying. Well, so here's <laughs> uh, when I was in medical school, I remember seeing this television show on long live sea life. Mm-hmm. Uh, whales make it to two hundred years. Uh, sharks to four or five hundred years. Turtles to like five, six, seven hundred years. And why can they? And why can't we? And I said it's either hardware or software. And so we finally have the ability to deal with that. And there's lots of companies that you and I can both name that are in phase mm-hmm. one, phase two, phase three clinical trials mm-hmm. of slowing that stuff down. Sure. And that's exciting. Removing them, right? Removing them, throwing it down. Well, it's, it's getting rid of, uh, of senile cells in your body, which right. are the zombie cells that are causing inflammatory. But mm-hmm. it's also replenishing your stem cell population. It is— uh, Nutrient re- signaling. <clears throat> yeah, our Wnt pathway manipulations mm-hmm. like Samumed. Um, there's uh, a whole slew. David Sinclair, do you know David from Harvard? He's, he runs a Harvard mm-hmm. Longevity Labs, amazing book called Lifespan, in which he talks about the the um, information theory of aging. We age because we're losing information. And he doesn't just talk about slowing aging or stopping aging. It's mm-hmm. He believes we can reverse aging, mm-hmm. and that's freaking cool. Yeah, this is the hope of Silicon Valley, uh, you know. Uh, there's an immortality. Immortality. <clears throat> yeah. It is. It is. Or, or, or the slow, the slower glide towards yeah, inevitable. Guess what? If we extend our health span ten years, mm-hmm. we intercept ten years of extraordinary breakthroughs and save money. But of course, there are the opposite consequences. I know you guys hate them. Is too many people on the planet? Oh no! Let me call bullshit on too many people on the planet right, right here, All right, right tell now. Me. Okay, I don't know. So, there's lots of issues around climate so, change and the so, impact of humanity. But just want, I want to, I want to, I want to dispel this. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, and, as long and, as you don't say climate change doesn't exist, then you have no, to— No, no, I'm, I'm, we've, we've fucked yeah. up the planet immensely, climate change and so forth, and we have to deal with that. But on the, on the population side, Bill Gates gives two great uh, TED Talks on this mm-hmm. subject. You do two things to a population center. You make them healthier and better educated. The number of children per family plummet. So right. here are the numbers. 
50 years ago, it was around six children per family as a global average. Today, it's down to about 2.4. 100%. Right? In the U.S., we're below the replacement number. We are we're indeed. 1.76 or thereabouts. And so I'm not worried about – in fact, Elon goes and says this, and I agree with him. I'm worried about underpopulation of planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll peak at 9, 9.5 billion, and there's going to be a very quick descent. So – Population is not the issue. It's how we treat our planet is fundamentally an issue. A hundred percent. So get to that, the idea of— I will of, of, minorly uh, disagree with okay. Peter on, right. the, on this one because ultimately I do agree with him. Mm-hmm. But as we rise to 9 billion um, with extinction rates, what they are, mm-hmm. with the pressures on the environment, um, 9 billion people is a lot of people. And it's going to crush— Yes, It's going to crush— Ecosystems mm-hmm. um, that are not going to bounce I, I don't, back. I don't, dis- I don't disagree with that. I'm just like you know, people saying 15 billion people. So on let's the planet. get to, to two things to finish up with: space and the environment. Like where where, the, where technology helps and hurts. This is one of the things I wrote about recently. Is I just I just said it because I want people to think this way. Was the next I made it up really? Um, the next uh, bill, tri- the first trillionaire is going to be a green tech trillionaire. I think, mm. like, whoever figures out how to solve car, not and not yeah. just through carbon capture, which I think is just cleaning up, just cleaning up the trash is really what that seems to be about. Um, but the, the real significant changes in water filtration, all kinds of things that create problems without having to necessarily go to Mars. Uh, yeah, to, you, to, as the solution. You know what's interesting is is a lot of the texts we actually need to solve these problems are already here. Mm-hmm. You know, in the book we write about uh, my friend Lauren Fletcher's uh, first startup, biocarbon engineering. It's a mm-hmm. tree planting drone mm-hmm. that can plant a hundred thousand trees a mm-hmm. day. Basically, shoots little t- seedling missiles into the ground. Um, they've been doing Ooh, it. Uh, seedling missiles. <laughs> <laughs> plant bombs. What do you want? Right. right. Um, and. Uh, they tend to uh, they tend to stick better. They 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 get shot in with a nutrient seed capsule. They've been working in the Myanmar uh, Irrawaddy Delta, re uh, repopulating that, and uh, they just did uh, did some numbers and they found out that their plants have better survival rates than hand planted things. Mm-hmm. These texts exist, even as you said, carbon sequestration. Um, we we can do this stuff. The th- trick now is the cooperation. You got to do it at scale, right? Mm-hmm. And we we quote Ramez Nam. In the future is faster than you think, talking about plant. We can meet 80% of U.S.'s energy needs right now if we link our existing wind, existing solar together into a nationwide grid. Do we have the impetus to do that? Are we doing these no. things? No. Not with we're the, not. not with the, the, tech, the tech is there. Yeah. The issue is cooperation. And the impact of fossil fuel lobbying and everything yes. else and, and money. On yeah, the it's, it's, the, it's the system in place trying to perpetuate itself against the betterment of humanity. Well, don't you think that's what's happening all the time right uh, now? I think it's, it has been happening. It's just happening at scale. And the only way to, to solve that is to provide something that is so much better mm-hmm. that, I mean, that people just drop the old thing with a hot potato. So uh, Jim Robo, who's the head um, of Next Era Energy, uh, just went on uh, last week, said, listen, by in the next three years, I think it's 2023, 2024, um, it is uneconomical for us to operate natural gas or coal anymore. Mm-hmm. We're stopping it and we're going to all renewable. And so we aren't going to save the planet environmentally 
because we're so moral and mm-hmm. we're going to do it because it's cheaper, faster, right, exactly. and better. Right, right. And there's all these things. So let's finish up with space. Um, that's, you know, it's an area because one that of the I things yeah. I, you know, uh, I just did a podcast with a guy who's head of astrobiology at Columbia because um, he wrote Death on Mars, which was about what, you know, he's like, I love all these people doing these things. I think it's great, all these rockets, the concept of moving to space. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, go ahead. No, so, so space is my first passion. Yes, it is. I think, I, th- I think that thousands of years from now, millions of years from now, whatever we evolve into, right. we're going to look back at these first, these next couple of decades as the moment in time when the human race evolved off of the planet to the stars. Right. It's happened once before when we moved out of the oceans and crawled onto land. Mm-hmm. That is now. And then everything we hold of value on Earth, metals, minerals, energy, real estate, are in infinite quantities in space. And, mm-hmm. and my equivalent quote to yours is the first trillionaires will be made in space. Okay. Hopefully, it'll be both. You know, uh, it was the Soviet Union and the U.S. in this in this war for supremacy, let's use that word again, um, that really drove us. And today, it's a beautiful battle with, with Jeff, with Bezos, Jeff and, Bezos and Elon. Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, right? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And, and I would much rather have that. I've known them for, for decades. I've known Jeff since, since college. They're passionate about this. It's not 100%. like they're doing it for money. They're doing because it's they feel it's no, their purpose it, in life. No, there is some level of I, the thing we talked about. With the, he, he loves that what they're doing here. He just was talking about here's the reality of living on Mars with radiation and of course uh, and, and, dust and, and peroxides and, 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 and yeah. bone density. Everything that's less worse than the moon. Apparently, the moon is harder on your bones than Mars would be because of the gravity issue. But it was he, he was just sort of putting some sensibility into. Well, it, it, it sucks if you want to come if you want to come back to Earth. We're going to start to— No, he thought living—you should read this article. It's really clear, pretty clear. I, I did, the, I did the, my thesis work at MIT yeah, on so this, this area as well. Yeah, so this was the radiation issue. That you live in—essentially, you have to live in caves you, under Mars. You have, to, you have to geoengineer. You right. have to uh, You have to terraform, make Earth-like. Exactly, right? exactly. Un- yep, unless we start to use CRISPR technologies and gene therapy to right, sort of bring, evo- evolve bring ourselves our more body. That's what, I, that's what my son said. He goes, well, why don't we just have new bodies, bring yeah. ourselves bodies that work on Mars. And so Darwin wrote about the forces that cause evolution. Mm-hmm. It's small population sizes, it's geographic diversity, mm-hmm. it's high radiation or uh, sort of uh, mutation forces. All of that's going to happen in space. So we are yeah, going to I have speciate. no doubt there'll be a creature that is yeah. human, human-like that will live on Mars, that is from humanity. But one, the, the one point that I think is important to make is we have a—everything we've ever known, care about, every piece of history is here. We are one uh, asteroid strike away from being like yes. a historical blip. And so I think there is a moral obligation to back up the biosphere, mm-hmm. uh, to diversify the human species. Um, I don't think we spend enough time thinking about the existential risks that humanity has, right? In fact, so to me, the, re- the only reason I like the idea of Jeff Bezos and Neil Musk spending all their money doing this, but the government ha- governments have a role in this. This is a major they, – they human- this is about humanity. They and- have a role and had a role, but mm-hmm. governments are so friggin' risk adverse yeah. and space is risky. Right. And if you look well, at the – didn't get us to the moon. That was kind of good. It was. Yeah. But why? Yeah. It was not It was not because they wanted to draw – they wanted to def- the, defeat the, the, the Soviet Union had done Sputnik in 1957 mm-hmm. and did Gagarin in 1961. They were decimating us in space. We had to mm-hmm. do something dramatic to so get back our leadership. where are the technologies for this? Of, of, uh, oh, my God. The technologies are extraordinary. It's mm-hmm. machine it's, – it's, Robotics, 3D printing, machine learning, right. um, new material sciences. Again, the, what we mentioned earlier, relativity space. They're 3D printing a 30-meter-tall rocket in mm-hmm. 60 days or less. Mm-hmm. That's extraordinary. Right. 
And and Elon, the reason SpaceX's Falcon 9 was able to get to the space station successfully in its first was computer modeling and then being able to land and reuse the rockets. Mm-hmm. It changes the equation. It, it changes everything. So I'm going to finish up. Each of you, what do you think the most the most quickly – you talked about 12 industries. We didn't get to retail and a lot of others and, and financial and, and other things. Insurance. <laughs> what food. do you – insurance, all of – everything. Yeah. It's systemic in terms of what's going to be affected. But if you had to sort of stack rank three over the next five years, which ones are the most going to be most affected by this, the future you're talking about? Well, you're going to see significant changes. It, it could be some of the ones we ha- we didn't actually talk about because we're already seeing entertainment mm-hmm. is the first thing I'd point out. I think we're seeing the end of Hollywood's um, kind of monopoly mm-hmm. completely. Obviously, Netflix and that stuff, but I think that's going to continue to massively crumble. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as AI continues to invade retail, you know, I, I think the humans are gone from retail. I mean, we'll have mm-hmm. craft throwback shops where, mm-hmm. oh, you can get— Clothes sold to you by an actual human being, but I think mm-hmm. I think retail is going to be completely invented, reinvented. And to me, it's a toss-up between AR and VR. I think that the numbers and the trends say it's going to be AR first. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. Coming coming in augmented reality. Augmented, augmented reality. reality. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. I would say the future of shopping, the future of entertainment, and— The most immediate. Yeah, those would be my guess for the— Peter might disagree with me. So we've talked about education, healthcare. I think Mm -hmm. those are the ones that Mm -hmm. have the biggest financial and societal impact that Mm -hmm. are so broken that are going to change by the right entrepreneur— you know, just giving something that's 10 times better. Um, I think energy is uh, going to fundamentally change. Uh, People don't realize that we're the rate at which solar, uh, both installed solar costs and price per kilowatt hour is beginning to drop. We're seeing tremendous breakthroughs in storage as well, right? There's hundreds of billions of dollars being invested by the automotive companies in electrifying their fleets, Mm -hmm. and batteries are part of that. Um, You know, another common friend, Bill Gross, uh, has created uh, some some true breakthroughs in the energy world. And so we have the ability to go to a majority electric economy. And what's beautiful is that the poorest countries in the world, Kara, are the yes. sunniest countries in the world. Mm-hmm. And so abundant energy gives you abundant clean water, it, which is clean water drives or dirty water drives half the healthcare impact on the planet. So these dominoes that can begin to fall. And again, going back to the reason for this book is um, people fear what they don't understand. And as the speed of change is increasing, people tend to get more fearful, more divided. This book's purpose is to give people, again, a a hopeful, compelling, and abundant vision of the future. It's got to be hopeful. If you don't have hope for the future or, or you don't think your future is compelling, and if and if it's a if it's a world of scarcity where you're dividing the pie and if your neighbor gets slices you don't, instead of abundance where you just bake more pies, right? Uh, it leads to a world that is scary, is scarcity minded, and it's divisive. And and our mission is to to change that mindset. Okay, but I'm going to ask one final question that is not negative. But what is the scariest thing? And then what is the technology you'd love to see invented? Anything at all. So you have to end on a negative. No, no we'll I'm end on a positive. Po- okay. Positive is what's the one technology okay. you think so, listen, should I'll, I'll be address invented? The, the things that are scary for me are— uh, Asteroids. Uh, so they're existential risks to the planet. Mm-hmm. Pandemics. Right. Uh, asteroid impact. Terrorism and hate crimes. Environmental uh, disruption. In fact, this, I run a, an X Prize with this thing called Visioneering every mm-hmm. year where we discuss and debate the world's biggest problems. Yeah. 
I'm going to focus I'm gonna on do ex- what needs to be solved. What are the yeah. critical? <clears throat> yeah, and, but I'm going to focus on existential risk because no one's spending enough time mm-hmm. on those risks. Um, so I'm concerned about those things. I'm concerned in some cases about the government regulating stuff it doesn't understand. Right. It does it all the time. It, it does it all the time. But uh, the problem is when you overregulate here in America, the technology and the technologists just move. Mm-hmm. They go someplace else. Right. And we lose that ability here in this nation. And so it's got to be uh, intelligent uh, regulation, collaborative regulation with the innovators, with the companies and so forth. So those are, are my concerns. I am concerned about pandemics. We're seeing the coronavirus conversation, which is yeah. still small, right? There's been like 100 deaths compared to like 2,000 flu deaths yeah, in the United States. Exponential. But, yeah, but it can get it bad. So we need to learn how to do that. The and technolo- what what the, technology would you like to be invented? I am definitely uh, someone when the chips become available in my brain and I can increase my intelligence, my memory, my ability to collaborate. Mm-hmm. So I think this... And we talk about this, this is a concept of meta-intelligence. If I'm able to connect to the cloud and you and a thousand other things, I have this level of empathy. If I can feel your feelings, understand your thoughts and who you are, and there's absolute intimacy in that level, it's a world we forget, Kara, that each of us are a collection of 30 trillion human cells, mm-hmm. right? We're not just an individual. We're 30 trillion life forms collaboratively working together. That potential... Uh, to go from single cell life to a human being is where we can go from 8 billion individuals to something that is a collaborative at a level that That's never That's a great before. way of looking at it, actually. Yeah. And you? I'm, again, I started with plants, animals, and ecosystems. And to me, um, the technology I want to see is, is already here. Diversity. I just, biodiversity. I, 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 is well, it, biodiversity is, the, is, I mean, if you talk to most scientists and say, what scares you? What are you most scared of right now? They're going to say species die off. Species mm-hmm. die off is the number one threat. Nobody pays attention to it. Nobody even, you know, I, I've been talking about this for years, and you mm-hmm. say species die off to people, and they're like, huh? Yeah. There's a biodiversity Do you know crisis. what the number one cause of species die off was? Oxygen <laughs> in the atmosphere. Yeah. Okay, Mr. Dinosaurs. Okay. So, to me, cultured beef at scale mm-hmm. um, is the biggest is the biggest lever it's we have. That's coming. It's coming, but not fast enough for me. Yeah. Like if you you ask me, like magic button, what do I want? I want to replace the entire. No more cows. Yeah, I want to replace cows, pigs, chickens. Yeah. the whole thing. And yeah. by the way, we're dealing with the coronavirus, right? Like. Right. Shellfish right. comes from bats, yeah. in vitro. Bats, we can do cultured seafood, right? right? There's four or five companies in that We're space right now. We're destroying the largest fish in the ocean by yeah. overfishing. Yeah. 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 You know what's fascinating about that? I, was, I just had a new baby, and literally all the books are about cows, pigs, ducks, and sheep. Yeah, we should. We should. They should it's be so friends, fun. not eating. <laughs> yeah, no, they are friends. We don't eat. Think about eating them when we're discussing them with a baby. Um, this is great. This is really fascinating. My, of course, invention that I would. Um, it, it, plague yeah. is my thing. I'm like. Plague. Oh, you're with me on that. Okay. I'm with you on plague. I, I'm obsessed. You, you with should plague. come to visioneering this year. We're, I mean, I honestly, may. Yeah. I may because I'm a plagueaholic. And then uh, a time machine. I'd like a time machine. Ooh, all right. I mean, that's it. Yeah, we didn't put a constraint on physics here, did we? I, I would like a time machine. Okay. I would like you to invent it tomorrow, Peter. This is really helpful. I really do like you know, uh, positive visions of the future, which is really critically important. But I would like it coupled with responsibility and thinking about implications. Uh, I, think, 100%. 100%. I think that's where you, you lose it, like going forward so quickly and not understanding. Yeah, we can't be a tech utopian without understanding that we have responsibility more than ever before, right? Mm-hmm. It was a great, great philosopher, Peter Parker, said, right, with great power comes great responsibility. Allegedly, it was Voltaire. Allegedly. Whenever I mention that, everyone's like, no, I it was Spider-Man. this person. No, okay, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Okay, you thought it was Voltaire? 
It was Did his you uncle. Say Voltaire? It was his uncle, Gentle Uncle Ben, who oh, said that right, too. All right, well, we'll just call. I know your man movies better than you do. <laughs> I do, I do. I'm a secret man. Anyway, thank you, Stephen and Peter, for coming on the show. Their book is uh, terrific. It's called The Future is Faster Than You Think. How Converging Technologies Are Transferring Business, Industries, and Our Lives. And surprisingly, I recommend it. It's quite positive, but I like it. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on the show. A pleasure. Thanks for having us. Can I add one thing? Sure. Um, that, uh, as you mentioned, Abundance and Bold are the precursors. Mm-hmm. And for folks who were offering Abundance and Bold for free, mm-hmm. uh, if you go to futurefasterbook.com and oh. order the book there, you'll get Abundance and Bold uh, digital copies of Fantastic. it for free. Fantastic. Yeah. That's what a free is the best price. You can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. My executive producer, Eric Anderson, is Eric America. My producer, Eric Johnson, is at Hey Hey ESJ. Stephen, uh, where can people find you online? StephenCotler.com. K-O-T-L-E-R.com. FlowResearchCollective.com. Okay. Uh, for me, it's uh, it's Diamandis.com, uh, uh, at Peter Diamandis on all of the social handles. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's XPRIZE.org, SingularityU.org, and... Thank you, Kara. No problem. Thank you so much. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate if you shared it with a friend. And make sure to check out our other podcasts, Pivot, Reset, Recode Media, and Land of the Giants. Just search for them in your podcasting app of choice or tap on the link in the show notes. Thanks also to our editor, Joel Rabe. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Monday. Tune in then. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.